Hey, will you uh, join me in prayer as we jump in to the word this morning? Lord, we thank you that your presence is here, that you, Lord, you really are. You're sitting enthroned among us, and uh, we welcome you. But we announce and we proclaim that the shout of the king is over us. His proclamation over our lives is final, that there is no other voice that matters. It's his voice. And so we choose to tune our hearts in this morning to hear what you're saying, Lord. Jesus, I thank you for that. Lord, I am asking right now that you would release a spirit of revelation. We could see, we could hear. Lord, we would know you in deeper, more profound ways, Lord, that you would reveal Jesus to us. Be revealed among us, Lord. My Father, we're asking also for a spirit of wisdom that we would... Our lives would be changed from the inside out and our actions would put on full display your goodness, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, and we commit this time together right now. We set it apart. Everybody who agreed with that said, amen. Come on. If you have your Bible, we're going to be in Matthew 8. That's where we're going to start off. Matthew 8, verse 23. You can uh, find it and put a finger there, and uh, we'll get to it in a second here. Uh, one of my favorite things to do when I was a kid, uh, my, first of all, my parents built the home that I grew up in. Uh, my dad's a carpenter, and they were innovative people, and so there was a creative stroke of genius, and uh, my parents decided to build an earth-sheltered home. Does anybody know what that is? You basically can see two sides of your home because the rest of it is buried in a hill. So like Hobbit Hole, like that is the home I grew up in. But they were, they were, they had foresight. It was, this is not a, like your typical home. In the center of the house was an open atrium to the elements. And so the house was a square built around an inside garden. Pretty awesome, right? They had solar panels before solar panels were cool. These are, these are forward-thinking people, and, and this, this home was, was my safe haven. It was the place where I felt at ease. It was my, my uh, cave, my safety. You know, it didn't matter what was going on in the, the world to come home to be literally encased by a, you know, a hill. <laughs> it, it was silent and quiet and powerful, poured concrete ceilings and walls. You can imagine, it's a bunker. This is the home I grew up in. And one of my favorite things to do as a child, I remember even as a young child, is I would, whenever there was a thunderstorm, whenever there was a a raging wind outside, whenever there was hard rain, my favorite thing to do was to go out into the garage, which was also covered, and open the garage door, pull up a seat, and sit there and watch the storm rage by. I don't know what it was about it. That ability to be safe and secure, like legit bunker. There's no tornado that's coming through our house. It's not possible. You can't reach it, right? It's, this is, this is the, the home I grew up in. And so I'm, I remember distinctly hitting the button on the garage door, sitting under its overhang and watching as thunder and lightning and we had a a large oak tree get struck by lightning right outside our house and fall and feeling no fear having no sense of dread why because I was fully protected in this place this abode of peace it's an incredible experience let me contrast that for a moment my uh, uh the last month our family has been undergoing, uh, we have been displaced several times out of our home. Why? Because our roof had to be redone from a major storm. 
water breaking out in our kitchen, ruined the floors, wood floors, and got mold under them, went into my like, a home office, and so molds out the office. Like, and so our family had to go out of our home, and as they're completely redoing and remastering and doing everything that's necessary in order to do, fix the, our home environment. When the storm's on the outside, and you're warm and cozy on the inside, you're good to go, huh? But when the storm moves from the outside to the inside, how many know we got a problem? That reality is a reality in the natural. It is a reality in the spiritual as well. You're going to go through storms in life. Just repeat it after me. This isn't a faith statement. This is a reality statement, okay? Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble. So you're not proclaiming by faith that you're going to have trouble. What I'm telling you is, hey, storms come. Anybody realize that yet? Yeah. Yep. Just repeat after me. Storms come. Storms come. I'm going to go through storms. This is a reality. Will the storm be like a childhood fond memory where you're safe and it's powerful outside, but there's no way that it's touching your inside? Or has some of the storms of life moved indoors? And when they move indoors, we got trouble, Houston. When we move indoors, when the storm goes from the outside to the inside, this is where we start to get into issues. This is where pain takes on a different kind of manifestation. When you're going through, let's say, a disease, let's say there's an illness that has laid claim to your existence. When you go to the doctors and you're hearing an explanation and you're hearing the information, it's all on the outside. It's all on the outside. It's information coming to you. They're talking about a reality that you might be processing, having to go through. But the storm's on the outside until what? Until your agreement moves it from out there to in here. Storms on the outside aren't a problem. In this life, you will have trouble. That's not the issue. What we're needing to learn how to do as believers, because the reality is that the Lord put us in this life to overcome evil, it's our job. Jesus ascends to the right hand of the Father and he leaves his disciples behind and says to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore you go. Jesus ascends, he's hanging out with the Father and he has left you and I to make his enemies under his feet. Which means, as a believer, as you are receiving his presence, as you're walking in his authority, and you come across pain, you come across torment, you come across the storms of life, you are more than a conqueror. Come on, repeat after me. I am more than a conqueror. It's because of Christ. It's because of Jesus. If it had to be only done by you, you're in trouble. But because our partner is God, because he dwells where? On the inside. Because his presence has filled my abode, the storms that approach my tent have no authority to move inside. Occupied. Sign over my heart, already occupied. But what happens when something catches you off guard or you start to experience something where you feel that storm move inside? How do we get it back out? That's the topic of today. It's what we're going to talk about a little bit. You ready? I believe truly that every person is going to walk through stuff and you're going to hear the echo of fear. It always comes. The unknown causes us to question things, and in our questioning often we'll crack the door to fear. And once fear comes inside, we have a problem because now we're struggling with what reality is. 
And here today, the proclamation, the reality that we're proclaiming, the one I'm inviting us to enter into, is that the presence of the Holy Spirit will so fill your abode, so fill your earthen tabernacle, so fill your life, that there is no room for fear to have a voice on the inside. Such that you can step into circumstance where others are gripped with fear. And you know that no matter what they have come into agreement with, that it has no authority or voice over your life. Such that we are invited into the place of proclamation of the finished work of the cross, of the goodness of the kingdom that brings deliverance even to others who have come under fear. The invitations before us, the opportunities at hand. Matthew 8, 23. Here we go. We'll put it on the screen as well, but if you got a Bible, feel free to follow along. I'm going to pick it up and verse 18. When Jesus saw a crowd, he gave orders to depart to the other side of the sea. So Jesus is out speaking. And there's a large crowd of people that begin to gather around him. He's on the edge of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, just to imagine, you know, put yourself in their position. The Sea of Galilee is a lake. It, it is eight miles by ten miles. It's a big lake. It's got depth to it, surrounded by mountains or hills that are, are big enough to create storms that are issues. It's able to be seen across, though. This isn't the vastness of an ocean that you're thinking about. You, you can almost imagine yourself getting in a boat, and you can see the other destination, and you're heading towards it. And so no matter what the weather is like, you're not thinking about that necessarily, because the, the goal is at hand. It's just right there. Jesus saw the crowd. He gave orders to depart to the other side, okay? So they're either looking at eight miles or ten miles. Either way, it's a row, right? A scribe came up to him and said, Teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus said, Foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. The Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And then another disciple came to him and said, Lord, permit me first to go bury my father. Jesus said to him, Follow me. Allow the dead to bury their own dead. Jesus got in the boat. His disciples followed him, so everybody's in the boats. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea. Come on, repeat after me. There arose a great storm on the sea. The boat was being covered with the waves. But Jesus himself was asleep. Man, that is quite the statement. There's been many sermons that have been preached on this topic. I'm not going to need to touch, you know, all the different things that others have said. But when we see Jesus asleep in the boat, I'm not sure what you think about. But for me, I'm, I'm imagining my greatest places of torment and pain that I've experienced in my life. And I'm wondering, was Jesus just there? Hanging out? Was he asleep? Was... Was Jesus' condition, was he in agreement with my torment? Or was he in another state of mind? I think sometimes we look for friends to identify with our pain. And so we go to people to talk to them, to hopefully hear some kind of alignment, right? Oh, you're so right. That is so bad. And then he said, what? Oh, my goodness. What are you going to do? And they begin to partner with our fear. And for some weird reason, we look for that. Because if you go to somebody and you share your story that has pain in it or fear in it, and they go, hey, man, I think you're listening to the enemy there. I think you need to be quiet. That person would be not looked at as empathetic. Are you alive today? Isn't it weird that we look for an identity, like we look for someone to reflect back to us what we have said? Yeah. We're looking for communion and connection, 
But the way that we're looking for it is by expressing our fears, our doubts, our angers, our, we try to rally around division. The person who's in perfect peace, man, that ain't the person you're going to. My greatest pains, sorrows, the places that I have visited in life, when I think back and I'm asking myself the question, Jesus, where were you in that? I often find that he was right there. In fact, every time I find that he was right there, this is a little, it's a a tool that we'll use in an inner healing meeting. We'll ask the question. You'll be sharing what's going on in your life. We'll ask the question, where's the Lord at in this? I want you to see him. Okay, whatever you're going through right now, anybody going through some stuff? Just a little wave of the hand. You going through anything? Anybody? Yeah, like four of us. Great. (laughs) Whatever you're going through, just bring it front of mind for a second. I want you to ask the Lord a question. Jesus, where are you at in this? I wonder if he's asleep in your boat. If you're going through fear and torment and stuff is overwhelming, whew. If the waves are being tossed over the boat, see, listen to me, the boat is made to go through the waves. There's no problems with the boat. The boat was engineered for this. The problem is when the storm and the waves move inside the boat. As long as the storm stays outside the boat, we're good to go. But if the storm moves inside the boat, we're facing an issue. For the disciples who are seasoned fishermen, look at this. Jesus is asleep in the boat. A great storm, verse 24, arose on the sea, and the boat was being covered with the waves, but Jesus himself is asleep. And they came, the disciples, came to him and woke him and said, Save us, Lord, we're perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Okay, I have imagined this scenario out several different ways. But Jesus is asleep in the boat, and the waves are crashing in, and the seasoned fishermen are screaming out, Lord, we're perishing. We're going to die. Save us. One of two things is happening. Either the boat is being swamped, and they're all going to die, or something else has caused their fear to fixate on disaster and have stopped seeing who's in their boat. Because if Jesus is in your boat, you're going to make it to the other side. If you fixate on the issue, if you fixate on the problem, if you meditate on the pain, if you meditate on the betrayal, if you focus your mind on things below, things that are painful and difficult, if you fix your mind there, you'll find plenty of people to agree with you, but it won't lead to your deliverance. Do you want to come up out of the storm, or are you happy to get swamped in the boat? Jesus says, why are you afraid? That statement right there makes me think that they are delusional in this moment, that something else fear-wise has taken over their hearts. That this isn't just a normal storm, and in about two sentences you're going to find out it really was not a normal storm. Something else was going on there. If the storm gets in your boat, you got a problem. If fear is what you're focused on, very difficult to get to faith. Very difficult. You're going to need some help. You're going to need some outside intervention. Potentially, you're going to need to cry out to the Lord. Unless you have it all figured out. Man, if you got it all figured out, awesome. I'll trade spots. You come up here. You can show us all how to do it. Here's the deal. The living God has equipped you. From the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, God gave man authority over anything that would resist. From the very beginning, the Lord had given Adam and Eve authority over the evil one. All dominion had been put in their hands inside that garden. Inside that garden. 
Inside that enclosure, they had all dominion. Moving outside of the garden, moving outside of that place of protection, the enclosure, after they are pushed out, then we have thorns and thistles. We have voices speaking to their kids, murdering one another. We got torment of all sorts and kinds. Inside the garden, inside the enclosure, in the place of authority and dominion, we have perfect peace and it doesn't matter what the devil's doing. Outside of the garden, we have a demonic voice that starts to influence culture and destroy humanity. Inside of the garden, it's just a snake in the grass who you can tell to shut up. Outside of the garden, we have an influence that corrupts humanity. Inside of the garden, you're walking with God. Are you getting what I'm putting down here? When the storm is on the outside and perfect peace is on the inside, you're good to go, y'all. You are good to go. When the focus gets on the storm and fear creeps in, it doesn't matter that Jesus is asleep in your boat. In fact, we begin to accuse God. God, why isn't it going my way? I thought you were in my boat. You start to look at God and blame him for the results of the pain that you might be going through. You, it's funny what kind of perspective shifts when you, ref, when you forget, when you focus on the wrong thing. Has anybody else found this? Just me. <laughs> I'm in good company. The storm kicks up. The waves are beating. The disciples are freaking out. Verse 26, he said to them, why are you afraid, you men of little faith? And then he got up and he rebuked the wind and the sea. I like that word, rebuked. Has anybody ever been rebuked before? What does, what's the difference between being softly corrected and being rebuked? Now, there are some in here, you're sensitive enough to people's impressions that a soft correction feels like you just got whooped, okay? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the difference between being rebuked or being softly corrected. To be rebuked is a sharp correction. It is no room for discussion. To be softly corrected and invited into a different truth, that's a conversation. Jesus is not having a conversation with the wind and waves. He's not having a conversation with cancer. He's not having a conversation with diabetes. He's not having a conversation with divorce. He's not having a conversation with brokenness in the family that destroys kids. He's not having a conversation with evil that's trying to destroy your lives. He's not having a conversation. He's not softly discussing our options. He's saying, shut up and sit down. Be quiet. Stop giving voice to fear. You know, I, I wonder if Jesus' eyes were like fixed on the sea, stands up, and he rebukes the sea, and then his eyes just kind of drift over to the boys. <laughs> you know? You ever have that moment where you know someone's talking to you, but they pretended like they weren't talking to you? <laughs> That's the mom look, by the way. It's the, it's the one that's shot across the dinner table, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and shoop, the child quiets. <laughs> Jesus is not softly discussing with the storm. He's telling it to be quiet. As soon as... He gets up and rebukes the wind. It became perfectly calm. The men were amazed and said, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? There's an amazing reality about how God has wired humanity. We're made in his image. Whatever he gives to us, our job is to multiply and grow it. 
If God gives you a word, if he speaks to you, it's a seed, and that seed goes inside of you. And that seed will grow and bear fruit. Because that's the reality of how you are created. You are created to bring forth fruit. So let me tell you, it really, truly matters what you allow on the inside because it will grow in magnitude. And so if fear gets in there, if the storm gets inside, what do we do? We multiply it. We add to it. We talk about it and sow it like seed into other people. Oh, did you hear this rumor about this politician? Yeah, they're about that. And whoa, and there we go. Here we're on the waves. Oh, man, the whole nation's going to hell in a handbasket. We're all freaking out. But why are we freaking out? We're freaking out because we have allowed fear to dictate and determine our point of view. Oh, they're like four claps. Yeah, okay. Don't worry, I'll get to your stuff next. <laughs> you, you get this. Whatever comes on the inside, whatever gets in, you're going to multiply it. That's how you're wired, how you're created. And so the job is to keep the storm on the outside, to let the Prince of Peace rule your heart, to let the shalom of heaven be resting on you so that even when you come into someone else's dwelling, you can release that peace Give it your blessing of peace, and God's peace will leave you and rest on their home. And in that environment, there's dominion. See, when perfect peace is filling your abode, when you stand up and you have the voice of fear all around you, it has no effect on the inside of you, and so therefore you speak, and dominion, authority, why? Because you're in the enclosure. You are on the inside with him. He came into your life and there's a garden being produced by your life. He's been speaking to you and you've been cultivating and keeping his word. Walking and doing things on his behalf. Watching as your family gets touched and God is expanding your dominion. How is he doing that? Because the kingdom has come into you and is advancing through you. It is being touching other people. And so when a storm tries to get inside your enclosure, your garden... Your home comes to violate your business, your place of authority. What's your job? Not a trick question. Come on, what's your job? Is it to have a polite conversation and a very British accent? Come on now. Y'all, I think part of the issue is that we let fear get in and then we try to have a battle with our fears and through our fears to, uh, to touch other people. We let fear be the anointing that's driving our actions instead of perfect peace and the rule of his kingdom. Okay. Thanks, Dad. Appreciate you, man. If you're looking for a chiropractor, right there, that guy. He will bring alignment to your head and your heart. He's way more polite, though, than I am, so. We're all going to face storms. You're created to multiply whatever gets on the inside of you, and so if fear gets on the inside of you, you're not over with, but you are needing help, and you should get help. You should get help immediately. We should see this as illness. Fear inside of someone. We should see this as, oh, this person needs deliverance. We shouldn't identify with it like, oh, yeah, I'm afraid of that thing too, and somehow come into agreement and alignment with it. We have not been given a spirit of fear. This is not a right mindset to be thinking out of. It's not kingdom. Amazing thing about fear is that if you make a decision that's rooted in fear, it doesn't matter if you chose one way or the other. They're both wrong. You won't end up where you're trying to go. So we got to get fear. The storm's got to get out of us. We can't. We got to keep it out there. 
That's the job. We walk in dominion, authority within the enclosure. This is the place of authority where peace is dwelling. Jesus, sleeping in the storm, gets up, rebukes it. Silence. I love it. Look at verse 28. I'm not sure if I put it up there. I'll read it to you. This is verse 28. When they came to the other side into the country of the Gadarenes, Two men who were demon-possessed met them as they were coming out of the tombs. They're so extremely violent that no one could pass by, and they cried out, saying, What business do we have with each other, O Son of God? Did you come to torment us before the time? This statement, it's funny. We, we focus on the gathering demoniac like, Oh, look how powerful the enemy can be. But Jesus got in a boat intentionally crossed directly into that dude's territory in order to set the person free because the demons and the mindset of fear had been tormenting this poor guy. Jesus gets in a boat, starts heading across, and what happens? A storm kicks up, and everyone's filled with fear. You tell me, is this storm natural or is it spiritual? Or is the supernatural... Is spirit of fear dwelling and causing within the storm something that could be totally normal and natural to go through. Seasoned fishermen go out on the lake all the time. There might be a wind that kicks up. Oh, well. But suddenly they're gripped with fear and they're laying in the bottom of the boat crying out to Jesus to save them. He says, what the heck's wrong with you? See, The voice of fear is so often connected to forms of demonic influence. When demonic influence starts to be given voice, it will cloud your judgment. You will make insane decisions. Insane. Fear's not a good coach not a good instructor, it will not give you good advice. You will never come up with wisdom when you are rooted in fear. You want to affect change in the world? Let me tell you, fear cannot be your starting place. Unless your goal is just to fill the world with more fear. Yahoo. got quiet in here. This is Luke 6. Let's move to a different passage. It'll be happier. <laughs> Luke 6, 46. Just one last thing. If you've got a friend that's suffering in fear, instead of empathizing, why don't you cast it out? Silence it. Help them to understand that it is not the Lord. Luke 6, 46. This is great. Jesus just got done sharing Luke's version of the Beatitudes. Just a little sampling here. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you who are hungry, you'll be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep, you'll laugh. He's talking about the state of the kingdom. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, what credit is for you? Even sinners love those who love them. Lend to people without expecting any repayment. Love your enemies. Do good. Lend, expecting nothing in return. If you do this, you'll be greatly rewarded. Be merciful. Do not judge. Give and it will be given. And then he launches into a little speech, and this is all to his disciples. And I can imagine this situation because I, I, I get it. I, I, feel like, I feel like it's the mom shooting the eye across the table because there's something unspoken and something so valid. Jesus begins to ask this question. I think he's asking it of us all. But he's asking his disciples. All these people are gathered to him and following. And, and he's saying to them, listen, this is what you're seeing me live my life like. And you're calling me teacher. 
He says, verse 40, a pupil is not above his teacher. After he's been fully trained, he will become like his teacher. The whole goal of following Jesus is to become like him. It's to do what he's doing. He says to them, why are you looking at the speck in your brother's eye when clearly you are trying to become like the teacher, but you have not yet mastered it, and so you're coaching each other and telling each other what to do. You're comparing yourself and your life with other people, and in your comparisons and in your judgments of one another, calling it following me, what you're really doing is like a blind guide leading another blind person. You're both going to fall in the pit. So if you're following me, the whole point of it is to do what I'm doing. Not to do your own thing and call it Christianese, but to actually do what Jesus is doing. Right? Here's the storm. It's raging. Jesus is sleeping. The boys, the disciples, the ones who are saying they're Christ followers, are freaking out. Which one's right? Come on. Who, who do you think got it right? Which would you rather live your life like? Do you want to move through life just one freak out to the next? Is that a good way of living? <laughs> no, or would you like perfect peace? So that no matter what's raging outside, you can just enjoy the show. There it is. Okay. <laughs> Man, by the end of this sermon, I'm going to get so happy. It's so great. It happens every time when there's like an argument in the atmosphere. It just bounces back and I get rocked by it. It's great. You can't say to your brother, hey, let me help you. Let me, let me fix you when you yourself aren't doing what the Lord's saying to do. Verse 46. Why do you call me Lord and you don't do what I say? I don't think this is a mad statement. I think he's legitimately asking the people, why are you wasting your time if you're not planning on actually taking this seriously? I felt this way about church life forever. Like ever since I was a little kid. What the heck are we doing here? Because if it ain't going to be real, what's the point? Please give me my Sunday mornings back. Yeah, our worship director agrees. We'll, we'll take our Sunday mornings back. It'll be great. <laughs> no. What's the point? Jesus says... Why do you call me Lord and you don't do what I say? And then he tells them a little story. And this is where we'll just stay and we'll finish the time out today. <laughs> Why do you call me Lord and you're not doing what I say? Listen, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts upon them, I'll show them what he's like. He's like a man who built a house, who dug deep, laid a foundation on the rock, and when a flood occurred, the torrent burst against the house, but it could not shake it because it had been built well. But the one who has heard and does not act accordingly is a man who built a house on the rock, excuse me, on the ground without any foundation, and the torrent burst against it, and it immediately collapsed. And the ruin of that house is great. You know the word house there? It's the word enclosure. It's the same word as garden. Okay? Your household, when you are following Jesus, we are in crazy times right now. Crazy times. I didn't, when I was young, I didn't think we'd be facing days like this. I had no perception of it. I don't know what your life is like, but I can tell you this, that when you follow Jesus and you obey what he's telling you to do, perfect peace. Doesn't matter what storm comes. You'll walk right through it. You will. He's with you in it. Right? By faith, you're living. Even if you get taken home to be with the Lord, you will have finished your race in victory. You'll hear, well done. 
Because you finished in faith. But a life that goes, hey, Jesus is Lord, but then does whatever it wants. When the storm comes, because this is what we're talking about. The storms of life are legit. And our job is to overcome. To take the works of the devil and put them under the feet of Jesus. But if fear gets on the inside... See, when we walk with the Lord, we'll be in peace because we're in step with him because the presence of the Lord, he is the prince, the ruler of peace. His presence produces peace. And when you open your heart and you go, Jesus, I want you inside, his presence of peace takes up residence in the midst of your storm. So whatever you're facing Instead of attempting to figure it out or find others who have wisdom, but really what we're doing is griping to each other. Instead of going through that course of agreement with fear, let's stop fear and let's invite Jesus in. If it's taken hold of you and you can see it today, and I'm hoping that you can because if you're in a state right now where there's a manic fear that's gripped your heart you walk out of this room where there's peace and you know anxiety is coming for you. My friend, you need deliverance. I'm not saying you have a demon. I'm saying you're holding on to fear and you should let go of that. And sometimes our partnership with one another, we cry out to the Lord and then someone comes into agreement with our crying out. We take authority. Someone in peace gets to release authority over storms and quiet them. This is where we minister to one another. It's the value of coming together weekly. Not so I can lecture you, but rather you and I get to partner with one another in this place of peace. We live in a land that has torment in it, but when you come to the house of the Lord, there should be an abode. Experience that. We've had people tell stories all the time. Uh, they'll, they'll be driving onto the property and they'll feel like peace come over the car. You know, they, they're staying at the hotel next door, and they went and they walked their dog, and they don't know why, but they're standing in our parking lot crying. What do you think that's all about? His presence, his peace. It's not meant just for church halls. It's to dwell within you and overcome your home life. It's to be released from you into your business so that the peace of God God's, guards all hearts and minds. And keeps them from making decisions rooted in fear and destructive thoughts. I don't know where you're at, but I can tell you today that Jesus is very much here. And he absolutely is ready to help deliver you out of fear and to release his peace into you. And all you got to do is open up to receive. Are anybody alive today? message is really simple today. I, it's just a, it, it's a statement of simplicity. I think simplicity in our faith is so necessary. When you wake up each morning, invite Jesus into your day. Lord, you're here. When you have a, your attention, the faculties of your mind, choose him. Lord, I don't know what the day holds, but I'm inviting you into it. When you're facing a situation, the voice of fear is talking to you. That's the perfect time not to embrace fear, but rather to recognize where Jesus is at and receive his peace into you. Don't allow the voice in. Let the presence of the Holy Spirit fill you. And from that place, stand and take authority over that fear. Command it to go. Put it under the feet of the Lord. If you have a friend or a loved one who's facing torment and they're going through something and, man, they, they cannot see forest for trees. They're like Peter. They're walking on water one moment and now they're under the water. They're crying out, Lord, help me. That is the perfect opportunity for you to step into their situation and in authority command that storm to be quiet on their behalf. We minister on one another's behalf. We help one another to stand, to take a stand, to move things forward. To see the rule of the Prince of Peace advanced in our households, in our neighborhoods. 
Start walking your neighborhood, releasing peace to every house, and watch what God does. Start releasing the blessing of peace on every household, and you watch how God will transform that neighborhood. Your relatives, listen, you're going to go to a family gathering anytime within the next three months. It's going to happen. Okay, and some of you face obstacles there. Can I invite you to release peace into that gathering, to not allow the voice of fear to be agreed with, to just take a stand, not to demand them to be quiet, but you go ahead in your place of intercession, tell that spirit to be quiet. Y'all, you're way more powerful. You're so much more powerful than the world recognizes. The Lord, the King of heaven is within you. Let's advance that kingdom together, amen? Just stand to your feet today. Here's what we're gonna do, okay? On the count of three, you're gonna choose a direction, left or right, okay? And you're going to find a partner. Now, before you freak out and run out of this room, I already see people bolting for the door. This is gonna be easy. I'm gonna lead you through it. Okay, but what I want you to do is you're going to partner off, not groups of three or four, groups of two, just one other person. And you're going to put a hand on their shoulder, you're going to take turns, and you're going to pray that the king, the prince of peace, would come and breathe his life into them. You're asking that the Holy Spirit would come and fill them afresh. Can you do that right now? Okay, let's do that. And I'm going to lead you through the next thing after that. So pair off. And I just want you to pray that the presence of the Holy Spirit would come upon them today. Lord, I pray that your spirit would come upon them. Holy Spirit, come. Don't make it more complicated. Receive his presence and minister his presence. Holy Spirit, would you come right now? Come on in authenticity. Holy Spirit, would you come right now? Wash away every fear, Jesus. Let the Prince of Peace rise. Holy Spirit, would you come right now? The Prince of Peace ruling in your situation. The Prince of Peace covering your hearts and minds. Let the shalom of heaven come. Holy Spirit, would you come right now? Don't just pray, receive prayer, okay? If you haven't switched up, make sure you switch up. Receive ministry today. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Okay, now I just want you to take a moment and I want you to rest in it, okay? Just receive. You can close your eyes. just want you to receive. Receive his peace. He's here. Now, there are some who had a very difficult time receiving right now and fear is there and, and you have been a prisoner to anxiety and, and so this... This moment has been a little more difficult for you and do not feel condemned by my words this morning. Be liberated because the Lord Jesus loves you so much and all it requires is you to call it to him. Jesus, save me. I don't know where I'm going or how to overcome. I need you. Jesus, help me. Come on, give your own words to this if that's where you're at. And if you're praying with someone and that expresses that right now, I just want you to come into agreement with them right now. Yes, Lord, come. Wow, thank you, Lord. The King of glory draws near. Who awake the King of glory. Thank you, Lord. All right. Now, would you just put a hand on your own heart? 
We're going to pray, and I want you to come into agreement with this, but I'm going to pray in authority right now, okay? This house is a house. It's a household. It's an enclosure. This is a place where peace dwells and rules and reigns, and Jesus' lordship is expressed. And From this place of dominion, I just want you to receive now, okay? In the mighty name of Jesus, by the blood and the authority of the Lord, we command every voice of fear to be silenced. Be quiet. Let them go. Storm be silenced in Jesus' name. Be seen for what you are, a lie. Every form of demonic torment we cancel now in the name of Jesus. And by the blood of the Lord, we proclaim mercy over you. The mercy of Jesus covers you. Be forgiven, be released. Do not be condemned any longer by what accuses you. Be freed. Be forgiven. You are forgiven. I release you. We release you. Be forgiven. Let the tender mercies of the Lord wash you this morning. Come on, would you just say that to that person that you're praying with? Be forgiven. I release mercy over you today. Now, Father, would you please release your angels to bind up demonic works and to get them out of here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Wedding garments. He's just clothing you. He's clothing you. He's wrapping you in his mercies. He's clothing you afresh. Be released. Be forgiven. No longer feel dirty or condemned. You are not. We receive you. Jesus receives you. Be released from this torment. Now, Father in heaven, I thank you for your people this morning. For every heart that's felt distant from God, all you have to do is open up and receive him. And just pray, Jesus, would you please come in? Help me. I want you to be my Lord. I want to follow you. I surrender to you afresh, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would release joy that you would fill and strengthen, that peace would guard every heart and mind. God, that you would fill every crevice, Lord, every space in between, Lord. Connect people and weave them together in your plans and purposes within this community. God, I thank you for these things. And I bless you today, church. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May his countenance and favor shine upon your life and the shalom of heaven guard your heart and mind and be advanced everywhere you go. And everyone that dared to agree with that said, amen. Come on, can we give a good clap to the Lord today?